Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, sponsored by ACR Poker, where we are right in the middle of the OSS, that's right, the online Super Series, our flagship event. Lots of exciting tournaments still in progress. Flights available right now for so many PKOs, uh, a $630 tournament with a million-dollar guarantee, and, of course, the $750,000 guaranteed mystery bounty event, which I have a huge stack in. By the way, I'm in the top five right now heading into day two, which is taking place this coming Monday, February 26th at 2 p.m. Eastern, and I'll be streaming it on my Twitch platform, which is twitch.tv slash Clayton Comic. My name is Clayton Fletcher, and I am in beautiful, bucolic, scenic Baltimore, Maryland, just spending time here with friends and family. I want to thank you guys for your comments on last week's episode. I busted out the singing voice for you. Uh, Based on the feedback, I will not be doing that again anytime soon. (laughs) This Sunday, by the way, guys, it's the TPE free roll on ACR Poker. We're going to be giving away $1,000 in cash for free. So all you have to do is get on the Discord. There's a link in the description of this podcast and sign up for the TPE Discord. There's a free roll channel on there where we always announce when and how the password will be released. So you want to get on the Discord by clicking the link in the description of this podcast, and then we'll see you Sunday for the TPE free roll at 6 p.m. Eastern on ACR Poker. Well, the big news these days is that the WSOP schedule has finally been released. I don't remember the last time it took them all the way into like late February to put out the schedule, but that's how long it took this time around, and everyone was waiting with bated breath, and we're going to review that schedule later on in the program. But first, I want to talk to those of you who have been helping us grow this podcast platform. I want to say a special thank you to anyone who has shared the podcast on social media platforms, anyone who has taken a moment to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, which is a thing now, I understand, or iHeart or wherever else you happen to listen. It really does make a big difference, especially as this space poker podcast is becoming increasingly saturated and mostly by the way with gossip and rumors and silliness like fighting over which training platform is better than another or you know heads up for roles this kind of stuff like we've gotten away from that on this podcast we are strategy intensive we are also the longest running weekly poker podcast in the history of the world and we want to keep it going so if you guys can take the time to share it to subscribe to rate and review it means a lot and that's why i always ask for it it's not because i want to torture you and beg you to love me although i do require a great deal of personal approval from everyone i meet because i was you know a middle child 
growing up. But that's not really the point, guys. It's just we want to be visible to any potential listener who might be searching for a podcast and wants to improve his or her game. Now, if you're in the poker podcast world because you like the drama and you want to hear about the latest Twitter battle and stuff like that, we're not really going to be covering those things in too much detail on this program because here we have learned our fan base, the TPE Nation, our listeners want strategy. So thanks to you. Thanks to all of you. Thank God for you, the wind beneath my wings. All right, guys, let's talk about last week's hands. You may remember that we were talking about a couple of spots that I played in beautiful, sunny Florida, Pompano Beach to be exact. Today, let's take a second look at the hands we talked about last week from the Harris Pompano Circuit event. This was a $400 double stack tournament. And we're going to review these hands from a GTO perspective using a tool called GTO Wizard, which is the best tool I have ever seen in my entire career to help you learn, study, and practice. So you may recall the blinds were 400-800 with an 800 big blind ante, and we had about 59K, so around 75 big blinds nearing the second break of the day. The action folded to me all the way around to me in the small blind with the 10 of clubs, nine of clubs. And I decided to limp in, and we talked last week about how I like to limp in with everything at this stack depth, especially when I have a very aggressive opponent in the big blind. Give him a chance to raise it up, and then very often I will three-bet his pre-flop steal. So in this case, I limped in with the 10 of clubs, nine of clubs, with the intention of calling a reasonable raise. So I limped in, and of course, the big blind did raise. He made it 3000 to go, and I decided to call. So let's look at my pre-flop decisions here. My first decision, limping in, the solver actually raises 27% of the time with the suited 10-9, but it calls the rest, so I'll give myself a double check mark here, <laughs> which is what GTO Wizard does when you make the best possible decision in any given moment. So yeah, I did call, and that's the 73% play. And then, when the big blind raised me, I called, which the solver says we are supposed to do 100% of the time. So if you limp, you always call that raise, you never fold. So that's great, and we see a flop. It comes ace of spades, jack of clubs, five of clubs. And I checked, my opponent bet a little more than one-third of the pot, and I raised to just under 3x his bet, and he folded. So interesting here on this flop, the solver likes me checking, but actually has us calling 85% of the time. So I thought this was a pretty obvious spot for a check raise, but we're actually supposed to just call about 85% of the time and raise the rest. When we do raise that 15% of the time, the sizing that I went for is about what the solver prefers the most, but it does mix in some other sizing, a little bigger, a little smaller, just kind of sprinkled in. But I wanted to look at this spot knowing what we know now, which is that we're actually supposed to check call the vast majority of the time on this board. Why do you guys think that is? I mean, I guess the flop overall favors the big blind because it's ace high 
and two broadways at that so it's probably because we're not going to get that many folds to our check raise and so perhaps it's best to check call on such a broadway heavy board because we're not getting the folds that we would need to justify the check raise i still think that this opponent was good enough to fold one pair so if we go for the check raise here and he calls and then we put a lot of pressure on a turn card that improves our equity or perhaps even gives us a flush i think he's eventually going to fold by the river which of course we would not want him to do if he did have the flush but at least we can extract more value when he's got specifically one pair of aces with his ace of clubs because remember guys the flop is ace of spades jack of clubs five of clubs which means some of our opponents continuing range will include that all-important ace of clubs so i found this very interesting that we're actually supposed to check call uh, the check raise kind of worked out for me this time but that's not really the point is it we want to learn we use this tool gto wizard to help us learn where the leaks are in our games i'm sure that many times when you flop a flush draw you're supposed to check raise it but not all flush draws are created equal and our opponent has a substantial nuts advantage on this flop because he has all the pocket aces all the pocket jacks and we have none so for those are probably some of the reasons why checking and calling is the preferred play although mixing in a check raise every so often is solver approved and i'm learning all this from gto wizard it's the easiest tool i've ever found to use to really improve your poker game you know we can sit around watching videos where wizards explain everything in graphic detail in scientific mathematical terms that none of us can understand or we can use this tool to actually plug in hands that we have played and look at the solver solutions so that we can extrapolate what we need to do differently the next time we sit down and play a poker tournament you guys have to get on gto wizard it is the best thing out there there's a link in the description of this podcast all you have to do is click it and then when you purchase your first gto wizard subscription you'll receive a 10 percent discount using our affiliate link which again is in what we used to call the show notes of this podcast all right let's do the other hand from last week much later in the tournament the blinds were 1k 2k with a 2k big blind ante we had 56,000, so we had 28 big blinds and m of 11 registration was just about over and I found myself in third position, folded to me with the king of spades, queen of hearts, so king, queen, offsuit, and I opened to 4K. Fold to the cutoff, who has three times the stack I have, and he calls, and then the big blind also came along, but for the purposes of this hand review, we'll pretend that the big blind actually folded so that we can get the wizard involved in the analysis. Solver likes the open. Obviously, we're opening king-queen offsuit in this spot 100% of the time. And now with 15,000 in the middle, the flop came jack of spades, tray of spades, deuce of spades. So all spades, jack, tray, deuce. And I decided to fire, I bet very small, 20% of the pot, about 3,500 into the 15,000 pot and the cutoff called. In real life, the big blind folded. In this case, for theory purposes, he never existed in the first place. I know that we have a lot of checks in our range, especially when we are out of position. 
But I wanted to bet small because I really have a great interest in seeing the turn card. I've got the king of spades. I've got two overs. So I really was trying to get a cheap turn card. And I was afraid that if I checked, I would have to call a bigger bet from my in-position opponent. And the solver doesn't hate it. The solver makes this tiny 20% pot bet about 28% of the time. But the rest of the time, we do check when out of position. Many, many times when we are the pre-flop raiser and we get called by an in-position opponent, we have to check flops that we would bet the vast majority of the time if we were in position. So that is one of the key differences between being in position versus out of position. When we're first to act, we have to be less aggressive, at least theoretically. Anyway, now there's 22K in the middle and the turn came the King of Hearts, which gave me a pair to go along with my king high flush draw and I opted to bet 13,000 into the 22,000 pot and it turns out the solver never bets this 55 60% sizing in fact 78% of the time the solver bets tiny again 22% seems to be the preferred sizing about 78% of the time which is a lot and checks the rest so we're either going to bet very, very small or we're going to just check on this card, even though we now have made a pair of kings. So I found that fascinating. And I'm wondering if this indicates we're beat a lot. Like what does our opponent call the small bet on the flop with? I don't know. I guess in game, I felt like there were a lot of hands that I could beat, especially once I picked up the pair of kings. I felt like I was way ahead a lot and so I tried to get some value for my hand but then again the solver doesn't know that I was in Florida I wonder if the future version of GTO wizard will actually have a Florida option where you can just play exploitatively against <laughs> the Florida opponents I know I pick on Florida a lot guys I also happen to love Florida there's so much greatness in Florida you've got lots of wonderful casinos you got fabulous beaches really really nice people a great comedy club in Tampa side splitters can't wait to go back there so yeah I do like to make jokes about Florida and the action down there is really good but that's why we love it right anyway now with 48,000 in the middle and I only had 35,000 remaining in my stack and the river paired the board with the tray of clubs and you may recall from last week, guys, I still felt like my hand would be good a lot. And I decided to shove for value. And this brings us, friends, to the most shocking discovery of the entire solver experience of the week. In this spot, with the pair of kings, well, okay, two pair, kings and trays with a queen kicker, the solver always, 100% of the time, bets one-third pot so yeah i guess i should have put in sixteen thousand into forty-eight thousand, leaving myself with just another nineteen thousand behind i mean what would i do if i made that play and got shoved on i don't know i mean can you really fold such a good hand in florida but also what's he ever shoving with that we can beat at that point i don't know i don't know guys i mean yeah but Theory doesn't really consider how difficult or easy your decisions will be. Theory is just theory. And two robots competing against each other 
will always make perfect decisions. In practice, I guess perhaps I could just bet a third of the pot and then try to size up my opponent if he shoves. Like, is he bluffing? Does he have it? Probably call a lot, to be honest, just because this player was a young, aggressive Indian fellow, and he's just he's going to get more action from me than some of his gray-bearded counterparts. But still, I was very surprised to see that it's an absolute pure one-third pot bet with no exceptions. That was fascinating. I hope you enjoyed our discussion of last week's hands. And I know many of you are very excited for what comes next, which is the World Series of Poker Schedule 2024 version. Let's get into it, guys. We're also going to do this again in a couple of weeks and just talk with our good friend Derek Killingbird Tenbush about his plans for the upcoming WSOP. However, he was not available to chat with me about the schedule this week, but I just can't wait to delve into it. One thing I noticed overall looking at the schedule, seven weeks of fun, 99 bracelets awarded in live events this summer, and then also figure probably another 20 or 25 online. The online schedule has not yet been announced, but the schedule itself isn't notably different than last year's schedule. There are a few changes, a couple of things we'll highlight in a minute, but basically it's it very closely follows last year's record-winning schedule. Perhaps the powers that be at Caesars Entertainment decided if it isn't broke, don't fix it. So let's look at the very first event, event number one, May 28th. Yeah, Memorial Day comes early this year. It's very early. So the action starts May 28th at 12 o'clock with the $5,000 Champions Reunion. Now, in this tournament, they are actually paying for the buy-ins of anyone who's ever won the World Series of Poker main event. So if you are a current or former world champion of poker, you get $5,000 to play in this tournament for free. And if any of us non-champions bust you, or I suppose even if one of the other champions busts you, that wouldn't that be something? That player wins an automatic guaranteed free buy-in to this year's $10,000 main event, which I think is a nice little perk. So you basically get two buy-ins for busting one of the bounties. And this is going to be a recurring theme throughout the summer at the Horseshoe. There will be lots and lots of bounty tournaments to play in. So... Uh, They are doing the Mystery Millions, May 30th it begins, the same as last year. It's a $1,000 buy-in, and one of the few guarantees on the schedule is that the top bounty prize and the first place prize in this tournament, both guaranteed to be $1 million. All right, so that's fun. There are three different, no, four different days to play a starting flight for the 1K Mystery Millions. Also on May 30th, a $1,500 dealer's choice, six max, which is going to be absolute chaos. A $1,500 Badoogie tournament on June 2nd. That's a Sunday. The next day, June 3rd, is a $1,500 six max, no limit hold'em. That is going to attract a very large field. All of us love to play six max. Uh, June 4th, it's a 1K super turbo bounty. I like this format It's a one-day tournament with 20-minute levels, and every player is a $300 bounty, whether you have ever won the World Series main event or not. 
Then on that second weekend, beginning actually Thursday, June 6th, it's the $300 Gladiators of Poker event. A $300 buy-in with a $3 million guaranteed prize pool. That is absolutely insane. Uh, there's a $1,500 shootout with two different starting flights on the same day. So that's Friday, June 7th at either 12 noon or 7 p.m. And you play one table that day, come back for day two the next day and play another table if and only if you win your first table, by the way. And then moving on, we've got a 25K high roller, no limit on Sunday, June 9th. And there are a lot of high rollers this year kind of sprinkled in for those high stakes players that don't want to do the $300 gladiator for example, or the June 11th $600 mixed No Limit Hold'em PLO deep stack event. I'll probably play that one myself. I love both of those games, as all of you know by now. There's also the $600 Pot Limit Omaha deep stack eight-handed event on June 12th, which is the event that I final tabled last year. Probably will play in that one again. Uh, There's a Big O Championship, event number 37, on June 13th. Some of you may be surprised, but I've never played Big O. I think you get five cards instead of four. It might be high-low. I'm not really sure. I'm not going to play in that tournament. I also will not be playing in the $1,500 Raz event on June 14th. That's the weekend of the Monster Stack, Derek's favorite. It's got three different starting flights. It's got a $1,500 buy-in, and you just get an insane, ridiculous 50,000 starting chips with 60-minute levels. That tournament takes five days. A $1,500 tournament that takes five days. I'll probably play it, but... I, I don't really think that one is, is my best game. Here's a new event that I think some of you will be very excited about. It's a mixed No Limit Hold'em slash PLO double board bomb pot game. <laughs> it's event number 41 on Saturday, June 15th. And I can guarantee that unless I'm at the final table of something else, I will be playing in this tournament. I love bomb pots. I love double board bomb pots. And just in case anybody doesn't know what that is, there's no pre-flop action. Everyone puts in a set amount before the flop and then all the players at the table see the flop and then all hell breaks loose as we actually are going to be seeing two flops. So you might be able to scoop them both. You might be able to get halved or quartered. It's it's going to be madness. So I'm definitely excited to play in that one. There's a 1K PLO on June 18th. I'll probably play in that. You guys know I love Pot Limit Omaha. The Millionaire Maker is back, a $1,500 buy-in with a guaranteed first place prize of at least $1 million, and that's the weekend of June 22nd. I'll be playing that for sure. Uh, There is a Super Turbo Bounty, a 10K, June 22nd, that same day, and that's a 10K buy-in with a $3,000 bounty per player. I played in this event last year. It's super fun. I'm sure I'll be in that one once again. Here in 2024, there's a 5K senior high roller. Now that's interesting right there. You've got to be, I think it's 50 years old. So this is probably designed for those early generation, you know, like the Adam Levy's of the world, the Ruthless, the Ape Styles, the Pearl Jammer, the young guys that were, you know, just kids in the early days of Poker Stars and Full Tilt 
who are now eligible to play in senior events, they probably don't want to play a stupid 1K that's going to take three days and just, you know, sit there with all the old guys. They want to, they want to juice it up a little bit. You know, these guys have money. Just because they're older doesn't mean they're on Social Security. No, they've got a bankroll and they want to play. So I think that's what this one's all about. I think the 5K seniors is going to be my choice for sleeper pick of the year as far as an interesting final table. I mean, I can't imagine too many recreational seniors are going to shell out $5,000 to play in that tournament. The Colossus is back, $400 uh, the weekend of June 29th. That same weekend, we have our Ladies Championship. Oh, and on July 1st, they're doing a $10,000 mystery bounty tournament, eight-handed. It's the biggest buy-in for a mystery bounty type of tournament that I've ever seen. Can you just imagine what the mystery bounty prizes are going to be on day two of that one? I will almost certainly be playing in that one. I'm pretty excited about it, to be honest. Uh, The mini main event is back on July 2nd. And of course, starting on July 3rd, it's the $10,000 No Limit Hold'em World Championship, a.k.a. the main event. I think they're doing four starting days again for this one. It's going to be great. There's nothing in the world like the main event. You've got to play it. It's somehow, you some way, you've got to get the, the 10,000 together and come out and join us for the main event. It is by far the best poker tournament in the world, bar none. And then if you bust the main event early and you just feel like you want to degen, you can play event 85, which is the 1K flip and go tournament, which uh, I lost $5,000 trying to make day two of last year. Always a good time. Oh, and then the first Mystery Bounty Pot Limit Omaha event on July 9th. I'm sure I'm going to play this. It's 1K. And come on, PLO bounties. That's so fantastic. I can't wait. There's also a new thing that I think it's new. It's called the Mid Stakes No Limit Hold'em Championship. So it's a $3,000 buy-in with two starting days. Uh, The Lucky Sevens is back on July 13th. It's a $777 three-day tournament with a first place guaranteed first place prize of 777777. The Hall of Fame Bounty is back with every poker Hall of Famer Worth about 2K for busting them. That's always fun. There's a 3K PLO on July 15th. And then, of course, wrapping things up, it's the closer. And on the very last day, July 17th, one final Super Turbo No Limit Hold'em where I just think everybody who's played uh, most of the 99 events is going to be so tilted by then. I imagine the action is going to be wild and crazy i can hardly wait to get out there this summer i know you guys are excited too we'll definitely take a closer look at this schedule and any others that may come out from the competing properties including my personal favorite the win resort with our friend derek killingbird tenbush when his schedule allows but now let's get to our hand of the week i recently made the final table of the long car Daily Double, part of the aforementioned OSS, which is an $88 buy-in and a minimum prize pool guarantee of $40,000. At this point in the tournament, the blinds were 500 and 1,000 with a 125 ante per player. The average stack was 36K, registration still open, 
and we had 32K. So a little below average, but still M is 13. We have about 32 big blinds. The table overall was really good. There are some tough tables in this tournament. There are tough tables in probably just about every tournament on ACR Poker, but this was not one of them. There were two decent but not elite pros at my table, but everyone else really seemed to be way too loose, either loose passive or loose aggressive, but certainly playing too many pots. So eight-handed table, three folds to me, and I have the queen of spades and jack of diamonds. I decided to open, and where typically I do the minimum or just a click above, this time I went two and a half X to 2,500, and the reason had something to do with my stack size and the stack sizes of my various opponents. Queen Jack can certainly flop a straight or a straight draw, but a lot of its value comes from high card strength, meaning it's usually going to make, if anything, one pair. And it's probably going to be top pair in all likelihood. So when you have a top pair type of hand, you really don't want to end up with an SPR of four or five. I'm trying to get it down to somewhere below three so that I can comfortably maneuver post-flop. The big blind in particular has 21K in his stack, and several of my opponents on my left have between 22 and 26,000 looking at it now. So I'm trying to manipulate the pot size. So that's why I made it 2,500 instead of 2K, trying to set up that favorable SPR. And one of the two decent players at my table called, he's in the cutoff, and he's got 23K in his stack. Everyone else folded, so we're going to be heads up, out of position, hero with the queen of spades, jack of diamonds. And now notice that because of my pre-flop raise sizing, there's 7,500 in the middle, and our opponent now has 21-ish, so the SPR is under three, which is kind of the magic number for a hand like this one. And the flop comes jack of clubs, 10 of diamonds, seven of clubs, Jack 10, seven with two clubs, hero with queen jack, no clubs. We're out of position. The solver does have us checking a lot, as mentioned earlier on this podcast episode, that we do want to check more often from out of position on flops that we would bet when we were in position. So while I do acknowledge that, I feel like this draw-heavy wet board with this low SPR kind of overwhelmingly makes me want to go ahead and bet and try to get committed against an opponent who knows what he's doing and will probably be aggressive with a lot of his drawing hands as well as a few hands that have us beat, like perhaps a slow-played pocket aces. I'm always leery of a, a talented player, a decent player, an educated player who just flat calls pre-flop with under 25 big blinds. It's kind of a red flag for me, and that's what's happening here. So anyway, uh, I flop a pair of jacks with queen jack, and so what am I supposed to do? I decided to fire. I know there are a lot of checks. We could go for a check raise here. We could go for check call if we want to slow play our top pair against this aggressive opponent. This wet board makes me just want to protect my hand, try to see if we can get it all in right now when my pair of jacks is probably good. So I bet 47.50 into 7,500. So just under two thirds of the pot. And my opponent basically clicks it to 10K. 
So he's already put in half his stack. I don't think he's going anywhere. So my question becomes, did we put this much in to slow down? Did we put this much in to fold? No, I think we put this much in to try to get it all in. And that's what I did. I shoved, he snap called and turned over the king of clubs, queen of clubs. So he flopped everything. He flopped an open-ended straight draw. He had so many live cards to take the lead. Any club, any king, any ace, any nine. What is that, like 18 outs? Yeah, so he's actually a pretty significant favorite on this flop. So even though my pair of jacks was good, I'm actually not a favorite to win the hand. And sure enough, I ended up losing to the king, queen of clubs when the ace of clubs hit on the river and gave my opponent the nut flush. So I lost most of my stack on that hand. But as you all know, I never gave up and I ended up getting all those chips back and a whole lot more enough to make it to the final table of the long card daily double on ACR Poker. So let me know what you guys think about this hand. You can find me on Twitter at Clayton Comic or in our Discord, the TPE Discord, or of course, on all social media platforms at Clayton Comic. So if you're not yet on ACR Poker, guys, I don't know what you're waiting for. We have so much fun. There's lots of money to be made, lots of action round the clock, and you can get a 100% first-time deposit bonus up to $2,000 just by clicking the link in the description of this podcast and entering the promo code TPE. So that'll do it for this episode. And so for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, with special thanks as always to our very generous sponsor, ACR Poker, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I wanna hold them like they do in Texas plays. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. Love it, it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun. Oh.